0: This is Getting to Know Your Bible, a program dedicated to the proclaiming of the good news of Jesus Christ. Here's Billy Lambert.
1: It is a pleasure to be with you today on Getting to Know Your Bible. We appreciate those of you that are watching today, especially if this happens to be your first time. We appreciate those that watch every time we come on the air. Thank you for tuning in. Now today we're going to be discussing the subject From Here to Eternity. No, we're not going to be talking about a movie by that name. This is a Bible topic, From Here to Eternity. Now, for the benefit of those who may be watching today for the very first time, we'd like to mention the free Bible correspondence course that we make available. May I emphasize this Bible course is free. In order that you might know more about the course, that you might know how to receive it, Let's pause for just a moment.
0: To help you in your study of the Bible, we want to send you this Bible Correspondence Course. This course is non-denominational. It's based on the Bible. It's conducted by mail, and it's free. To receive this course, write to Getting to Know Your Bible, Post Office Box 314, Somerdale, Alabama, 36580, or call toll-free 877 877 Seven one one five two one four.
1: I want to read now from Ephesians, the fifth chapter, beginning in the 13th verse. But all things that are exposed are made manifest by the light. For whatever makes manifest is light. Therefore, he says, awake you who sleep, arise from the dead, and Christ will give you light. See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time, because the days are evil. That's reading Ephesians 5, verse 13 through verse 16. I want to call your attention especially to verse 16, redeeming the time. Time is a very precious commodity. There are some things that we can do without, but there's not a one of us that can do without time. When our time ends, life ends. It was Benjamin Franklin who asked us, Thou love life, that then do not squander time, for time is the stuff of which life is made. It was Thomas Edison who said, Time is the most important thing in the world. Too many of us take our time for granted. In the ninetieth psalm, the psalmist said that our days are threescore years and ten, if by reason of strength they be fourscore years. Then there's their strength, labor, and sorrow, for it is soon cut off, and we fly away. And it will not be long until our lives will end. In Job fourteen, and verse one, the scripture says that man that is born of woman is a few days, and he's full of trouble. In 1 Corinthians 7 and verse 29, the Bible says the time is short. And our time in this old world is short. Because according to 1 Samuel chapter 20 and verse 3, there is just a step between us and death. And that is a step that we take at least one time in our lives. That that is a step that no one can take for us. That, that is a step from which there is no return. That is a step between time and eternity. That is a step in which changes are made. And that is a step for which an individual ought to prepare himself. So our time is short. And let us never take our time for granted. Someone said that the clock of life is wound but once. And no man can tell when, it, when the hands may cease, whether at late or early hour. So time, time ought to be precious to us all. Normally we divide time like this. We talk about the past, we talk about the present, and we talk about the future. Yesterday is gone, never to be recalled. You see, the opportunities of yesterday are gone. We'll never have those opportunities again. You cannot store up your time like you store up money. You cannot hurry up time like you hurry up travel. And it cannot be brought back like you might be brought back from bad health to good health. And there isn't any need for us to to weep, to lament over all of the mistakes of yesterday. If they need to be made right with God, get them right with God, and then think about what you have ahead of you. Yesterday is gone. It's gone. It is gone forever. Now is the time for action in our lives. The Bible talks about today. 2 Corinthians chapter 6 and 2 even says that today is the day of salvation. And we need to take action in our lives today. There was the president of a bank who was trying to motivate his employees. He wanted them to be motivated to be more uh, functional, be more productive. So he posted a huge sign in the bank and the sign read, Do it now. Do it now. In several weeks he took the sign down because, you see, one of the tellers embezzled some money. The vice president came in and asked for a raise. And several others did things that they had been thinking about doing, they never had the courage to do, but the sign prompted them to do it. So he took the sign down. Well, I think it's a good sign. So far as our spiritual life is concerned, do it now. If you've been thinking about reading the Bible, do it now. If you've been thinking about your prayer life, start now. If you've been thinking about going to see a friend of yours that is sick, do it now. If you've been thinking about attending a worship service of the Church of Christ, do it now. If you've been thinking about your baptism into Jesus, do it now. If you've been thinking about being kinder, do it now. If you've been thinking about showing forgiveness to those that need to be forgiven, do it now. You see, today is the time for action. All that we have is today. It is said that when Queen Mary was dying, she said, I'd give $10,000 for a moment of time. But there's no way that time stands still for us. And if we let the opportunities of today go by, it may be too late. That's the reason we read in Ephesians, the fifth chapter, verse 16, that we are to redeem the time. To redeem the time means that you buy up the opportunity, you use the time that you have to the very best advantage. Use it, because tomorrow may be too late. In Proverbs 27, in verse 1, the wise man said, Boast not thyself of tomorrow, for a man doth not know what a day may bring forth. So do it now. A man went down to catch the train. So the story goes, And he walked up to the counter to purchase his ticket to ride the train. And he says, now, I need to find... He said, I see by my watch that it is 8.05. And I noticed by the clock on the street corner that it was 8.04 when I came in. And I noticed by the clock here in the station that it is 8.03. I just want to ask you, what time does the 8.01 leave? He said, Mister, you can go by any watch you want to, but the 8.01 has already left. Sometimes people think they can go by any timetable they want to. They can put off their spiritual life. They can delay it. They can neglect it. They can push it into the background of their thinking. And that when they get ready, they'll do something about it. But I want you to know the 801 may have already left. All we have is right now. All we have is today. Now, Tomorrow, tomorrow may be too late. Just like a person may take an opiate and that individual by taking that opiate may drift off into some kind of a slumber. Even so, the policy of tomorrow has cast its spell over the energies of man. Many failures in life are due to the fact that people wait until tomorrow. You think about Pharaoh in the Old Testament. And do you remember the, about the plagues that came on the land of Egypt? And one of those plagues was a plague of frogs. I can't imagine having frogs everywhere. Frogs in your house. Frogs in the street. Imagine getting into your bed at night. And, and when you get into bed under the, under the covers, then you put your foot on a cold frog. Frogs were everywhere. So Pharaoh comes to, to Moses and he said, I want you to entreat the Lord for me. Well, what do you want? I want to get rid of the frogs. And Moses asked him when. And Pharaoh said, tomorrow. Why would he want to spend another day with all those frogs? There's a gospel preacher by the name of Charles Hodge who has a sermon he preaches. And he calls it, One More Night with the Frogs. Why would anyone want to spend one more at night with the frogs? Why well, say tomorrow? It's because we're just prone to put off tomorrow. What ought to be done today? You think about Felix. Paul reasoned with Felix about righteousness, about temperance, and even about the judgment to come. And it had such an effect on Felix, the Bible says that he trembled. He trembled. And yet he told Paul, you go your way for this time. And when I have a convenient season, I'll call for you. In other words, I'm not going to do anything about it today. I'll do it tomorrow. But so far as the biblical record is concerned, there's no indication that he ever did anything about it. And then I think about Agrippa in the 26th chapter of Acts in verse 28 who said, almost you persuade me to be a Christian. Almost. But there's no indication that he ever did anything about it. You see, the policy of waiting until tomorrow can be disastrous. It can cost one his or her soul. Let me tell you what tomorrow could bring. To tomorrow, you could be so hardened against the gospel message so that, that it has absolutely no effect upon you. Ephesians 4 and 19 talks about those who are past feeling. And people so far as their spiritual life is concerned can get to that point the gospel will either soften your heart or it will harden your heart depending upon your attitude about the gospel. So tomorrow you could be so hard that it doesn't appeal to you any longer. And the fact is, tomorrow you could be dead. Somebody's going to die tomorrow. Somebody's going to die today. And it could be you. It could be me. Because it's appointed unto us to die. Hebrews nine twenty-seven. The Bible says the living know that they shall die. Common sense teaches us that. And that's the reason we don't need to put off till tomorrow. That may be too late. And tomorrow, the Lord could come. We don't know when He's coming. He could. Should He come tomorrow? Would you be ready? Would you be prepared? So yesterday is gone. You can't recall it. All we have is today. And tomorrow is written only on the fool's calendar. I would plead with you to not put off your eternal salvation. Become a Christian today. Believe on Jesus with all of your heart. Not because Brother Lambert says so, because Jesus says so. Jesus said, if you don't believe on in me, you'll die in your sins, John 8:24. Let me encourage you to repent of your sins, not because Billy says so, because Jesus says so. He says, unless you repent, you'll perish, Luke 13:3. And may I encourage you to confess your faith in him, Matthew 10, 32, 33. Not because that's what the church of Christ wants you to do, but because Jesus wants you to. He said, if you'll confess me, I'll confess you before my Father which is in heaven. But if you deny me, I'm going to deny you before my Father in heaven. And then may I encourage you as a confessing believer, a penitent confessing believer, that you'd be baptized into Jesus Christ, that your sins be forgiven. Not because that's what I want you to do. Not not because that's what the church wants you to do. Not because that's what your wife wants you to do, your husband wants you to do, your parents want you to do. Because your friends want you to do it. Do it because Jesus wants you to. Do Do it because Jesus said, "'Go ye therefore and teach all nations.'" baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Matthew chapter 28 and verse 19. But why does he want us to be baptized? Galatians 3, 27. Know ye not that so many of us as were baptized into Christ did put on Christ. So when we're baptized into Christ, We put Christ on. I would plead with you not to put off your salvation. All you have is right now. Tomorrow may be too late. But all time is insignificant with what we have ahead of us, and that's eternity. Time with all of its rolling ages is scarcely a tiny bubble rocked upon the bosom of the sighing sea of eternity. Frankly, I don't understand the word eternity. That is, I I can read it, I can spell it, I can see it being used in the Bible, but I don't really comprehend it, do you? Eternity is duration without limits you might as well try to find the cradle and the tomb of God as to find the beginning and the end of eternity. There are a certain number of grains of sand on the seashore. That there are a certain number of leaves on the trees of the earth. That there are a certain number of blades of grass that grow on the earth. Now, if it were possible to number all of the grains of sand, multiply that figure by the number of leaves on the trees of the earth, multiply that figure by the number of, of the blades of grass that grow upon the earth, and that final, incomprehensible, unthinkable number, if it were converted into years, would no way compare to the length and to the duration of eternity." Sometimes we say that eternity is like a ring, that it has no beginning, that that it has no end. Well, that's true, but what does that really say about eternity? Just suppose that the Lord was to call into His presence one of His angelic hosts, and and He was to give that angel the task of obliterating the earth an atom at a time. And then, at the, after having destroyed that atom that cannot be seen with the human eye, that angel is to return to heaven and rest a thousand years before it destroys Adam number two. Well, by the time that angel would have completed that cycle, destroying an atom, resting a thousand years, coming back and destroying another, and resting a thousand years completes that cycle until that angel would have completely destroyed this earth, an atom at a time in that process. And that angel then went with lightning speed throughout the universe, destroying every sun, moon, and planet, and star that God ever made, an atom at a time, and resting a thousand years between the destruction of each one, and then returned to the throne room of God and said, Father, what next? Eternity would just have begun. But you and I are living in the, uh, for the journey that we're going to make one day into eternity. In the 12th chapter of Ecclesiastes, Solomon said that man goes to his long home and the mourners go about the streets. And the preparation that we make right now on time side Will determine where we will be in eternity. You see, our lives are rooted in the timeless dimension of eternity. We have an eternal Father. Moses in Deuteronomy 33 said, The eternal God is our refuge. We have an eternal Lord. Jesus said, Before Abraham was, I am. We have an eternal spirit. Hebrews nine fourteen. the Holy Spirit is referred to as the eternal spirit. And we have an eternal soul, a soul that will live on and on throughout all eternity. Genesis 2 and 7 says that God formed man of the dust of the ground, breathed into his nostrils a breath of life, and man became a living soul. Man became an immortal soul, an eternal soul a soul that will never die. You see, we're rooted in that timeless dimension that we call eternity. And we have the hope and the promise of an eternal home one day. 2 Corinthians 5 verse 1. We know that if this earthly house of our tabernacle were dissolved, we have a building of God, a house not made with hands, eternal eternal in the heavens. I just wish there was a way that I could convince us all the need to prepare for eternity. You know, in Amos chapter 4 and 12, Amos was speaking to the Lord's people and he said, Prepare to meet thy God, O Israel. And one day we're going to meet our God, In eternity and preparation is absolutely essential. A friend of mine went to see his father-in-law. His father-in-law was going to go home with him and spend some time with him. And his father-in-law had his suitcase packed. But when my friend and his wife went to pick up his father-in-law and her father, something happened and he died. But he was a Christian. He was already packed and he was ready to go on his journey into eternity. I'm speaking to some right now who have not made that kind of preparation. This would be an unusual time if every soul listening to this telecast and watching this telecast was prepared and was ready but I have been preaching long enough to know that I don't have an audience like that right now. I have I've had people watching right now who have this emptiness inside. And the only way that you'll ever fill that void in your life is with the Lord. There, there are those that have this war going on within. And the only way that war will ever cease is by making peace with God through Jesus. Would you not become a Christian, believe on Him with all your heart, repent of your sins, confess your faith, be baptized into Christ? He'll add you to the church. I would urge you to become a Christian today. And in along that line, may me give you a very personal invitation to visit the Church of Christ in your community. And he, there, there are those there that will assist you in being baptized into Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins. You will become a member of the church family in that community, and I'd urge you to do that today. I want to thank you for watching, and until we meet again, may the Lord bless you and keep you, is my prayer.
0: Give me the Bible.